Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. This is actually just a quick note uh, before we get to the full Tech Dirt Podcast this week. We're getting ready to record our very first exclusive Patreon bonus episode, where we'll be answering some questions submitted by our patrons. You can ask uh, about whatever you want, about the history of Tech Dirt, about podcasting, about copyright law, whatever. And we'll see what comes in, and we'll try to answer some questions on that special episode of the podcast. So if you're already a Patreon backer, go look for the backers-only post at patreon.com slash techdirt and add your questions there. And if you're not backing us on Patreon, why not? (laughs) You should. Uh, Go to patreon.com slash techdirt, and you can fix that right now. And now on to the regular podcast. Thanks. A couple weeks ago was the giant CES trade show in Las Vegas. It is hard to explain quite how massive a show it is. Uh, Approximately 170,000 people descend on Las Vegas, and the show basically takes over everything in Las Vegas. Um, The scale of it is incredible and also just very difficult to describe or explain and it goes beyond just the latest gadgets though that's always the highlight and sort of focus of the show but it also touches on a variety of other things uh, many of which we regularly talk about on tech dirt from broadband to privacy to intellectual property and beyond after last year's event i asked uh, reporter rob pegarero to join the podcast and talk about what we had seen at the show or What were some of the takeaways? Well, I've been going to CES for something close to a decade now, with a few years missed uh, here and there during that run. Rob is uh, basically a CES fixture at this point and has gone for 20 straight years, which is incredible. (laughs) And uh, while I actually tend to use the event mostly for meetings and to attend some of the panels and conference sessions, Rob is actually much better at actually hitting the many, 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 many show floors associated with CES and seeing all of the astounding new stuff. So uh, every year I intend to spend more time on the show floor and it never quite happens. So uh, we had uh, Rob come on last year after CES to discuss it and we've asked him to come back again for another CES postmortem. Every year, Gary Shapiro, who run CTA, the organization that puts on CES, announces how much bigger the show is in terms of floor space and attendees. And while we're just a small tech podcast, uh, we got a ton of great feedback on on last year's show about CES. So in the spirit of Gary's ever bigger and ever better show, I'm expecting that Rob will make this show even better than last year's, for which I'll we got see so, what much, I can do. <laughs> for so much great feedback. So um you know, I, I don't mean to add any pressure to, to it, but, but welcome back to the show, Rob. Thank you. It's good to be back. Uh, sure. So um, I think we started with the same thing last year, but I, but I wanted to do it again just because, you know, I tried to explain in, in the intro 
just how big the show is. But for, for people who haven't gone to CES, and I actually think that the majority of people listening to this haven't gone to CES, can you describe what the show is like? Well, you know, it's 175,000 people. I wouldn't put it past this year's total winding up being 180,000, which is hard enough. You know, if you added 180,000 people to the population of New York City, things would be a little bit uh, chaotic. Yeah. Las Vegas doesn't have a working subway system. It has a monorail (laughs) system that doesn't connect the biggest CES venue with the second biggest CES venue. <laughs> right. It, it's really not laid up for pedestrian navigation once you get off the strip. Uh, it has horrible crowds everywhere. Uh, every single casino is laid out with deliberate inefficiency, so getting from <laughs> one place to the other uh, becomes this Kafka-esque exercise. And it's it's where mobile devices go to die, <laughs> because every, every network is overloaded. Your phone yeah. is running down its battery constantly. And uh, Wi-Fi... It is almost criminal how bad it is. Yeah. Uh, the Mandalay Bay Convention Center, where they hold the uh, press conference day, which is also not connected by the monorail, uh, they don't even have any free Wi-Fi for attendees, which, Wi-Fi for attendees, which should really not be legal at this point. That's <laughs> right. just mean. Uh, the Las Vegas Convention Center, they have it in some areas in the press room, although the, the press room Wi-Fi for this year... They named the press room Wi-Fi network Darth Vader, and my comment was, <laughs> it's showing all the resiliency of st- Stormtrooper armor. Right. And then they have this guest network, which they advertise in signs. Well, if you pull up the guest Wi-Fi network, it says, once every day, you can have 30 minutes of free access, capped at 384 kilobits per second. Oh, gosh. That is just insulting. Yeah. And so, yes, I'm supposed to do my job. This is, It is in that environment <laughs> that I... Uh, filed about, let's see, four different posts for Yahoo Finance, a uh, column for USA Today, probably about, mm, I'm going to say, over, well over 4,000 words. Did two panels, uh, helped judge an app contest, and I I did not carry a, a fitness tracking device, so I cannot tell you exactly <laughs> how many steps I took, just that my feet were in agony by the end of the week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that's you know it and 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 it's important to note. I mean, people don't realize like CES, right? It takes over the entire Las Vegas Convention Center, which is sort of three separate, fairly large halls. One of which has an upper and a lower level. Right, right, and then it expands elsewhere into uh, the Sands. They take over a giant convention center part of the Sands. Um, also the Venetian, and then I don't know if it was new this year, but um, they had the Aria. They also had part of it. Uh, didn't even get around to that space. Yeah, I didn't get a chance either, and I actually really wanted to because that was, that was the media stuff, um, and I didn't get a chance to see that, even though that was not far from my hotel, so I was hoping to get over there, and I didn't even get a chance. It is... I mean, beyond the crowds and the wireless, it it is, I mean, everything in, you know, the whole, you know, Las Vegas Strip area is CES for that week. It's, um, it's kind of astounding how, how big and massive all of it is. And there is no, you know, no way humanly possible to see everything. (laughs) Nope. Um, and, and I know you tried, so <laughs> I didn't even make that, you know, make the full effort to, to try. I saw little bits here and there and talked to lots of people, but um, it, it is fairly incredible. So the question everybody asks, um, 
when you go to CES, and I'm sorry that I'm going to ask the obvious question, which is like, did I gamble? (laughs) Well, (laughs) there's that one too, but that's kind of just goes with the, the assumption. If you're in Las Vegas, people expect you to, but, (laughs) but, um, you know, like what was, what was, what did you think was the coolest thing or the most interesting thing that you saw at the show? So the most interesting thing I would say would be the, the sort of almost overnight conquest of much of the smart home market by Amazon's Alexa. It is in such a crazy variety of devices. I mean, Everything from a pillow to an automobile, not even making that up. <laughs> yeah. So well, uh, well, explain the pillow because now I'm curious. I didn't hear. Yeah, about this. It's, it was. This was at. Uh, I saw it at the Pepcom Digital Experience event, which was uh, Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's this sleep tracking pillow where apparently they've added uh, Alexa to it, so you can ask Alexa how you slept the last night, and it's designed <laughs> to, you know, does it hear you snoring? It will nudge you gently. It can you know, soothe you to sleep by playing, uh, you know, the right kind of music or, or perhaps uh, audio books of Federal Communications Commission regulations. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're, you're looking at this thing thinking, of course this exists. It seems, right. where else would I see? I'd be surprised not to see something like this. Yeah. It's, um, there is something that I mean, I definitely heard from a lot of people who basically said like the clear winner of the show was was Amazon and, and Alexa. Yeah, because... it made me think about when I first tried out the Amazon Echo. I thought, mm-hmm. well, this is really kind of silly. Here is this yeah. thing that I tried it out in a friend's house because this guy is an early, early adopter. He he is. He should go to CS at some point. Uh, so, yeah, I'm playing around with this thing with David. And his wife had already dubbed it the uh, NSA listening device. (laughs) And I thought, okay, so you have this little cylindrical speaker you can ask questions that it sometimes gets the right answer to. Why would I pay for that? And suddenly this is, you know, I guess the the first tell was when Amazon put Alexa into the Fire TV, some of those media players. And suddenly, boom, what I thought was this basically harmless little device that you can ask when you – I don't know, you're looking up details for a recipe and your hands are busy, has suddenly become the glue to the smart home when everyone was busy talking about, oh, what's Apple going to do with HomeKit? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's fairly incredible. I mean, the number of people that, that I run into now, I don't have um, I don't have the, the Echo or, you know, any... Me neither. I'm feeling like a loser for not yeah, having... Yeah, that, that was kind now. of my, my reaction because I, I keep hearing, like, so, there are so many people I run into who just sort of assume... It's like one of those things where, like, there was a period of time where, like, you know, you know nobody had Netflix and then suddenly everyone had Netflix. And, and, like, I was behind the curve on that and I felt like, oh, wait, what am I, what am I missing? And I'm sort of feeling the same way about the the uh, Amazon Echo because like now it's just like people just assume that of course you have one because everyone has one and I was like wait when did that happen <laughs> yeah it, um, but 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 I guess it's, it's interesting because that was sort of like that is it, it was clear that like for so much of the home automation stuff like that's what people are developing for and and then it's just you sort of wonder if it becomes this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy sort of thing where you know if everyone's developing for it that's they're going to dominate that market if they aren't already. Everyone's just going to assume if you, you know, if you want sort of smart home stuff, you're going to need an Alexa to sort of tie it all together. And and that that's kind of interesting because, I mean, I think as you said, like everyone was sort of expecting, you know, Apple was going to dominate that. Google's made a play for that space. And yet Amazon just kind of, you know, snuck in and basically stole that whole market. 
Yeah, yeah, it was funny how little I saw of uh, Google Home being shown off, though. I think I encountered one in the wild. I know there were some vendors showing off WebKit stuff. I know this because somebody in Apple PR actually emailed me unsolicited to say, hey, you should check this stuff out, which yeah. Apple PR is not normally, you know, they'll answer my questions, but it's not like they're offering yeah, they're, me uh, any, any Tim Cook interviews. Yeah, they're not uh, They're not known for, for being particularly open or uh, proactive. <laughs> yeah. Um. Interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely think that was definitely the the big story that a lot of people sort of said was just sort of how much, how much uh, Alexa basically dominated the whole the whole show. Um, what else? What else did you see that you thought that sort of caught your eye? That you thought was really interesting. You know, a lot of uh, work being done on things like driverless cars or semi-autonomous cars, which is mm-hmm. where I think there's going to be a lot of really squishy moments over the next few years uh drones drones to take selfies are apparently a big deal nowadays (laughs) lots of internet of things stuff uh in tvs you know the the obvious trend was you know look at these ultra high definition tvs and with high dynamic range there's the lgw as in wallpaper series which is just over a tenth of an inch thick, and it's designed to yeah. be magnetically mounted to the wall. But <laughs> there's also a lot of stuff going on with cord cutting, whether it's, um, you know, more services coming on. You know, Hulu's mm-hmm. readying its own live service. That'll be uh, yet another service you can pay for instead of cable along with Sling TV, AT&T's DirecTV Now. Uh, there's the Air TV that Sling TV introduced, which is a little box that combines an over-the-air tuner with its own software in Netflix, so you have one interface for all three. It's basically a uh, a device to try to uh, curb remote, remote control pollution on coffee tables. Hmm. And I guess the other news, which was weirdly enough, I only it was kind of by dumb luck that it was in TCL's press press conference. The Chinese TV manufacturer they had the general manager of um, um. Roku. The general manager of Roku came up and said, we're going to have the Comcast Xfinity app very soon. This is the one that's supposed to completely take the place of one of its cable boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I don't think it'll include DVR, but that alone, you know, you can buy a cheap Roku stick, put that app on, and send the, the Comcast box you've been paying 10 bucks a month for since the dawn of time, send it back. Right. So that'll save a lot of people a lot of money, and, you know, yeah. remind them that, you know, you don't have to watch TV through this ugly interface that costs you ten bucks or more a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll that'll be interesting. I mean, you know, last year, of course, we had the big fight over, uh, you know, whether or not the FCC could could basically break the the monopoly over the. the yeah, it looks cable like that's boxes. not really happening anymore. No, is it? no, that's not. That is. Uh, I mean, that was dead before before the election, but after the election, it is. Uh, uh, buried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's still interesting to see how sort of technology is stepping up to, to kind of maybe make that question obsolete anyways. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, and um, I'm trying to think, you know, some of the, there was definitely a lot of stuff. Um, well, there was, uh, you know, one of the big stories, I guess, that came out that people were talking about leading up to it was, um, uh, Faraday Future, the electric car I was at maker. their event. Oh, you went? Yeah, well, <laughs> if I hadn't gone to it, I might have not gone like eight hours without eating that day. But <laughs> yeah, So 
I am very much of two minds about that company. This this is the okay. uh, startup that's going to build a fully autonomous all-electric supercar. And last year, they had some event which was complete vaporware. I skipped it and right. didn't regret it. So this year, they showed off their FF91 car. They actually drove it on stage. Uh, you know, they, they did a couple of – they had it park itself in the lot outside. They showed it could sprint off the stage going 0 to 60 on this. It was held at this – large like sort of tent structure around downtown mm-hmm. las vegas they have a good story in things like zero to 60 in 2.3 seconds although that will get a lot of drivers killed if you ever <laughs> actually had a traffic on the roads to do that yeah uh range like 385 miles on a charge that's really good yeah but then that they had to chart up their message with all of this just startup.com grotastic <laughs> nonsense <laughs> you know when they're marketing VP comes out talking about how we're, we're going to reformat the future. Oh, gosh. What does it even mean, man? <laughs> yeah. uh, it was very hard to take. And the fact that, you know, this company's had a lot of trouble. They had a bunch of senior executives leave just yep. a couple of months ago. They had to stop work on the factory they're supposed to be building north of Las Vegas. Yeah. And then they had this part in the presentation where they were talking about, we've completed phase one of the factory, meaning they've graded the land. We watched this highlight <laughs> reel of construction porn, basically, see, right. <laughs> like graders and backhoes, you know, preparing the site. That's great. But, you know, you need to actually build something, which you're not doing right now. Yeah. And it was really disingenuous of them to, to portray that as a great achievement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there were a bunch of articles, sort of, you know, some, some pretty interesting sort of investigative articles that have also suggested they're basically out of money. Um Yeah. And, and so, it's like building a car is, is hard. You know, yes. Elon Musk has had a lot of trouble, and he's he's a guy smart enough to have his own space program. <laughs> right, so right. <laughs> Faraday Future, they don't quite have the same credentials yeah. to say, trust us, we know what we're doing. Yeah, and and, and I mean, I, I believe Tesla's like the only like American car company that's actually uh, gotten, you know, like new American car company in, in decades that actually has, you know, shipped actual cars <laughs> well delorean shipped an actual car no, too they true. just didn't sell that that's many true. of them yeah that was, that was still decades ago though <laughs> yeah um but um yeah it, it, you know it's a really tough business and they had a lot of hype and you know i i honestly i would have liked to have seen them be successful i think like tesla it would be great if tesla had some real competition because they're always sort of compared to tesla um whether that's fair yeah. or not but um, I think I think that would have been that would have been really great, you know, uh, in the in the car space too. Like, you know, obviously all the other the big automakers were there um, and had had different. Did you see any of the other automakers and kind of what they were showing off? Some, yeah. I mean, it's not universal. Like last year, GM showed up. They had the the Chevy Bolt around their own electric yeah. vehicle. Really, no presence from them on the floor. Uh, but let's see, Hyundai, Honda. VW, Audi, Mercedes, Toyota, uh, you know, all talking in various degrees about what they're doing to make cars electric, although right. shouldn't they be making coal-powered cars now? That would make the new president much happier. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, self-driving cars. Now, so I mentioned before, there's some squishiness to it. What do you do if you have a semi-autonomous car that, that's good for, say, up to 35 miles an hour, or maybe it's only good on freeways with free-flowing traffic? Right. How do you transition between those states and when the driver has to drive? How do you make sure yeah. the driver is still paying attention anyways? Yeah. 
Google, you know, they, they did this test. This is the this is the talk they're captain of moonshots. <laughs> that is a great job title. Astro yeah, Teller right. gave it South by Southwest a couple of years ago. They had Googlers who volunteered. They were they were given these self driving Lexus SUVs and they were told, We're gonna have cameras in the car watching you. Right. You know, you have to keep your hands in the load, you have to be prepared to step in. The car will only drive itself on the freeway. Well, right. they realized the car was doing a good job, so they stopped paying attention, even though they knew this was happening. That they were being watched, yeah. And so that's when Google decided, you know, we, we have to sell something that is so good it has no steering wheel. Right. Cadillac, uh, they were not there, but I talked to their uh, president at the Web Summit Conference in Lisbon in November. Uh-huh. Their strategy is the car is going to nag you in its sort of assisted driving mode. If, hmm. if it sees you're not paying attention, it'll beep. It'll uh, vibrate the steering wheel, and if you still don't respond, it'll assume something's happened to you and pull over. Right. So Audi had this press breakfast. I, I won't lie. I went because it would mean because I would not have breakfast? to eat the press room bagels again. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're pretty bad. Yes. I, I believe I saw you at one point tweet that you hoped that a drone would bring you a Mandalay a bagel. Bay, like, <laughs> I really don't like that convention center because at least the press room at the LVCC, Las Vegas Convention Center, it was somewhat like New York bagels. I think they had Einstein bagels delivered. Uh, yeah. Mandalay Bay, they do this sad little like circle of bread that, no, <laughs> no, God, like do anything else. Yeah. You're not good at it. Spe- yeah. As, as, someone tacos, who spent my, as someone who spent my high school years working in a bagel shop in New York, I am I am personally offended by bad bagels. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, the, I go to the Saudi event. And I did get good food. And they, they revealed their the car they're going to start selling like next year will uh-huh. be... Capable of autonomous driving up to 35 miles an hour. Hmm. But apparently, they're not going to require that the driver pay attention at all times, which raises the question that is, the car will drive itself when you're in traffic. Mm-hmm. Well, traffic can clear pretty suddenly. I mean, maybe yeah. not on the 101 where you live, but it can happen. <laughs> uh, what if you've kind of like zoned out and the car has let you zone out? They, they didn't seem to have a great answer to that at this press conference. And that's. Ooh. That's going to be like a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I saw, um, I saw a speech that was given by, I guess, I think it's Ford CEO. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about all the autonomous vehicle stuff that they were doing. And, <laughs> oh man, uh, it was, it was bad. <laughs> the, the thing that, that I remember in particular was he was talking about like all, you know, big you know sort of trying to be visionary kind of things and he went into this whole thing about like you know we because we know that like privacy is a really important concern we have four principles that are key to to developing um you know autonomous vehicles and here are the four principles and i I don't know if i remember the exact order of them but but i remember them it was um clarity um Oh gosh, transparency. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the on the, what the third. A very one. memorable speech, I see. Yeah, but, but it, the the thing was, the, the first three of the four were actually all the exact same thing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> clarity and transparency. That's basically the same thing. And, and and right and. The th- whatever the third one was, it was the same. It was another way of saying that same thing, where it just seemed like you know people said, "Well, we need four values that we're going to stick to," and people couldn't come up with four; they could only come up with two. So they extended one of them into, <laughs> into turned it into three, and it's just like, 
mm, that's not a sign that someone's thinking this through very carefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was that was definitely disappointing. Well, that was another highlight of this Audi thing. The, the question I got, I got to have the last word. So I said, somebody had asked about security. And I thought, oh, well, this is a good kind of a an easy question you can ask of a company that their answer can suggest something about their seriousness. I said, will you have a bug bounty program? Yeah. And I got this answer. It was complete word salad, including the statement <laughs> that in German, safety and security are the same word. He mm. never actually answered the question at all. Right. <laughs> Oy, that's... That is a little frightening. And I mean, that, you know, to some extent, like that gets to the thing that everyone's been talking about with, with in the IoT space, we move beyond automobiles, like, you know, the the lack of security. I mean, on, on the site, we've taken to referring to it as the Internet of Insecure Things. Um, you know, did, did you get any sense in kind of looking around that, that people are actually starting to take security seriously when it gets when it comes to like IoT stuff? <laughs> yeah, you know, I wish I'd had more time to wander around the show floor just to do things like ask people, hey, this smart home widget of yours, does it download updates automatically and install them without the user's intervention? Because if it doesn't, you got a problem. Right. Um, you know, I was concerned to see that companies have not realized that building general purpose computers into household appliances that'll be in use for decades is probably a bad idea. Yeah. Last year, Samsung had the Family Hub Fridge, which has an entire touchscreen computer in the door. Yeah. Uh, this year, they have Family Hub Fridge 2.0, which has three cameras on the inside, so you can you know, see what exactly you need to buy when you're in the grocery store. Yeah. LG came out with a similar fridge where, because it's an OLED screen in the door, it's also transparent. So you can look inside the fridge <laughs> without opening it. You can use this touchscreen interface. Running right. a web OS, the the software they bought huh. from Palm. It's amazing how all that that's lived on. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's also on their TVs, and you can hmm. almost see web OS showed open applications as this sort of deck of deck of cards metaphor, the way it works now, right. Android and iOS, and it's a similar sort of interface for the way a web OS TV shows what uh, video apps you have installed. Yeah. Huh. So, anyways, they they have this fridge that you know you can manage your grocery list. You can leave notes for each other, although I find taping pieces of paper to the front of the fridge also works for that. <laughs> yes. And I keep thinking, you know, we are, we have already solved the problem of how to coordinate people's schedules, leave notes to each other, manage the grocery list in the kitchen, which is to leave an iPad or another tablet there. Right. So, yeah, count me out of that. Yeah. LG, they also, someone characterized this as, as less of a promise than a threat. <laughs> the press conference, they said, this year we're putting Wi-Fi in all of our appliances. <laughs> right, right. Which, yeah, I, I bought a new washer and dryer last year from LG. Very good model, yeah. I might add. Um, it, it is pretty thoroughly air-gapped. I can tap my yeah. phone to it and buy <laughs> NFC, download certain wash cycles to it, and, and get stats uh -huh. on uh, what it's done. Which actually, I haven't done that in a while. I like my quantified laundry. It's fascinating. That is uh, and I'm glad it's not more connected than that, you know? Yeah. I'd... Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It's not like hackers are necessarily going to do damage to your laundry, but but still, like, um, why, why would you need that? It's just the cognitive load. You know, I have enough things I have to worry about keeping updated and current and whatnot, so. Yeah. Yeah. I did see one... one um, uh, one device, which was the uh, Almond router. I don't know if you know oh, those yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they, they were showing how it's 
they have a feature where it's designed to detect if your yeah. some of your IoT devices have been enlisted in the Mirai botnet. Yeah, it's, to... it was pretty cool. I mean, they gave me sort of a demo of that, um, uh, and it was that one's actually pretty cool. And they they actually even have the thing where you can kind of look at um, because it's it's whatever, right? It's a router in your house, and then but it'll track everything that's going through. So they also would sort of track like typical um, data patterns for certain devices, and yep. if something goes you know awry, <laughs> uh, which is good actually because that's yeah. an area where you're. You know, if you had one of these cheapo webcams that got uh, turned into a zombie by Mirai and was used to DDoS yeah. uh, much of the domain name system and make a lot of internet sites unreachable, you wouldn't know about it. Yeah. You know, unless maybe it used up so much data that you, uh, yeah, you and your ISP had a data cap that notified you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that, that's sort of the most frightening thing, which is like, you know, these sort of, you know, botnets of, of IoT-connected devices most of the people who have them have no idea and they don't realize and you yeah. know maybe maybe they hear like you know that facebook or twitter was taken down today but they don't even realize it was probably because of the stupid cheapo security camera or dvr that they bought yeah um, and they don't even realize so like actually having more tools to help people understand kind of what's going on in their in their own homes and their own devices i think w- will be really important so it's good that at least some people are starting to think of that but it definitely feels like for many of the IoT companies, it's still very much an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have things, assuming that people will be technical experts, when you have things sold into the mass market, is always a big mistake. And yeah, it, it's got to be, the updates have to be automatic. The defaults have to be done correct. You know, if, if the user has to ask someone like me for help, then things have gone wrong. And I'm <laughs> yeah. arguing against my own economic interest in, in there. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you understand reality. So. Yeah. Um, so I guess um, the final area is, is just on the policy side, because I know you have some interest in that, and obviously I have lots of interest in that. Um, yep. What, was there anything on the policy side that you found uh, interesting at the event? It's it's a lot of wait and see because, <laughs> yeah. you know, during the campaign, what the stuff Donald Trump said was either technologically illiterate or just kind of <laughs> word salad. So right. we don't know. Yeah. You know, the, the FCC tried to get a lot of things done. Some things happened like net neutrality. Yep. Um, net neutrality is sort of... <laughs> the the equivalent of the Affordable Care Act in terms of how much a lot of Republicans hate it. Yeah. On the other hand, we now have a situation we didn't have two, three years ago where you have AT&T, which has a video service that presumably it does not want to see jerked around by other internet providers. Yeah. So so that changes things a little bit. And you can't, in fact, you know, wipe an FCC regulation off the map. There's the whole... Notice of proposed rulemaking, the process has to play out. They, it would be easier for them to just not enforce it, which arguably is already the case. I mean, yeah. the way Verizon and AT&T, AT&T zero rate their own video services, isn't that cute? And right. have they had any issue doing that? No. <laughs> the FCC right. well, yeah. sent a nasty until, gram to AT&T, but that's about it. Yeah, until recently where, where they sent a completely toothless nasty gram, which will mean nothing <laughs> in a few days basically yes. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah there was i don't know if you saw they had like a i went to there was a they had an fcc and an ftc roundtable um, I, I did not go to that because i saw the world's longest line stretching down the hall and i think uh, also i had a 
I had a panel to do at the same time, which probably explains why no one showed up in mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty crowded. I was lucky to have somebody near the front of that line grab me and pull me into the line, and I apologize to everyone who was behind me in that line uh, that I got in nice and early. But but um, and and there was not much that was said that was all that interesting. On the they did sort of FCC first, then FTC after. Uh, there wasn't honestly there wasn't that much interesting said on either of the, <laughs> the two. But but at the very end. Um, you know, they basically asked for sort of closing thoughts or final final statements, and and um, the last person to speak was Mike O'Reilly, uh, oh, yeah. who is you know sort of one of the most vocal anti net neutrality, anti privacy rules, anti anti you know, uh, cable box rules. Yeah, anti anything that we liked that the FCC had done. <laughs> uh, he he just basically said. And he put on this huge smile on his face. I mean, it was like he looked like he was about to burst out into giddy laughter uh, and just said, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with the new administration. Did he cackle when he said that? And it, it was just about just about that. And, and the, um, you know, remaining Democrat, uh, uh, Minion Clyburn, um, she she immediately spoke up. She's like, "Your smile is way too big," <laughs> <laughs> and and it was you know it, it was that's how obvious it was that yeah he's very excited to sort of dismantle a lot of the things that we thought that this past FCC did right, um, right, and uh, that's that's a little uh, unnerving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the the ISP privacy rules are another big deal, although. You know, the way they're crafted, you, you can't quite undo them right away either. And yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I suspect, you know, you, you can see right now how the, the GOP is. <laughs> you, you would think that voting like 60 times to repeal the Affordable Care Act would be enough practice. <laughs> but now that they can actually do it. They're like, yeah. oh, wait, we can't really rip away health insurance from like 20 million people. That would be bad in a political right. sense and in other senses. And so there, there's a lot of hemming and hawing going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens because, I mean, as you mentioned, like it's not, it's not so easy to just – they can't just dump the rules. Um, yeah. You know, they can, they can start a process, but it's a fairly long and involved process, and, and it opens up the possibility of, you know, the public and internet users um, getting pretty vocal about it. I mean, they did last time, and, you know, this would be worse than last time. Yes. Yeah, um, John Oliver, could, he could definitely have some fun with this topic all yeah. over again. And, you know, and, you know, despite for, for very ridiculous reasons, net neutrality sort of becoming a partisan issue in Congress and D.C., when you actually look at, like, polling data of the public, it's not a partisan issue. You know, Republicans and Democrats alike, you know, like an open Internet and, and one that is not, you know, where, where AT&T or Comcast are not allowed to, to block or throttle or diminish or, you know, set up toll booths for certain kinds of traffic. Yeah, and, and so, it's not a hypothetical threat. I mean, it's not that yeah, – has been that no. long ago when you couldn't use FaceTime over 3G. And when you yeah. had the, Ed Whitaker, the, the CEO of, I guess, SBC at the time, talking about how Google's not going to use his pipes for free. Like, his? Yeah. Were you stringing cables, sir? What, what is this? How about yeah, R? Yeah, let's, no, let's be I mean, a little more all-encompassing uh, – as yeah. a CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, there's also like the, the AT&T Time Warner merger. Um, yeah. I mean, that I sort of suspected that was going to go through anyways, because if you were going to do Comcast NBC Universal, 
Right. Why not this one? You know, the same logic works that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I Sprint we'll... T-Mobile is a thing I worry about where... That's true also, yeah. You know, they're... <laughs> Sometimes Wall Street analysts creep me out when they get all excited. Like, <laughs> you could do this and you could do this. One guy, uh, Aaron Pressman of Fortune, did a piece where he quoted some guy who was saying, maybe Comcast and Verizon could buy each other. Like, yes, no, I at that, that point, just give it up. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> why have antitrust enforcement at all? Uh, yeah. And the people who should be most leery of a Sprint Team Mobile deal are the people at Sprint. They bought yeah. a competitor, Nextel, and vaporized its value in a few years. Yeah. I, I think. They got other things to worry about, like maybe finishing that LTE build out of theirs. Yeah. And a huge merger would just take them off that for a couple of years. And, you yeah. know, it's it's not like I have my issues with T-Mobile. I'm a T-Mobile customer, but now I'm locked into the simple choice plan I have. Because after January 22nd, I'll have to use T-Mobile 1 if I need hmm. more data. And for me, that kind of stinks because... I can only tether at 3G speeds unless I pay an extra $25 a month. And I right. tethered a lot in Vegas because the Wi-Fi is so terrible. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. It would be nice, right? I mean, the thing that everyone keeps saying is what we need is more competition because that's what happens. But, you know, we, we start to see better things happen when you get more competition, which is what we started to see with T-Mobile yeah. uh, in the past. And... Uh, that they may be stepping slightly away from, <laughs> uh, but if they were to merge with 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 Sprint, I mean, beyond just having less competition, they would be just distracted for for the process of yeah. that merger. Um, and those kinds of mergers very rarely tend to turn out to be all that good, especially for on the consumer side. Yeah, uh, yeah, mer- mergers of equals or quasi equals in the telecom sector. There's a uh, sort of a trail of destruction <laughs> left yeah. in their wake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, trying to think what else, you know, on the policy front, obviously everyone's always talking about copyright and patent reform, um, and those are obviously important that, that's to us. The, always talking about patent reform, yes. <laughs> yes. We're, we're very good at that, actually passing any. I really thought that, you know, when the Democrats lost their Senate majority, that the yeah. GOP would, the Republicans would jump at the chance to really yeah. kick the trial lawyers in the shins and pass the Innovation Act that the trial lawyers had opposed. But then yeah. they got cold feet too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it seemed like a layup. I thought that was going to be one of the first things of the last Congress, and, and there was indication that that's what they intended for it to be. And it just it didn't happen. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know what really happened. But the story I certainly heard is that the the big pharmaceutical companies really yeah, big pharma in. universities as well public universities i should say yeah. where it's funny how the the unintended consequence of cutting back on state funding for state colleges is yeah. these schools have had to like monetize and in so doing weaponize their intellectual property by you know selling off patents to various non-practicing entities yeah yeah, so so who knows? I mean, we'll see. And and certainly, you know, the the Trump uh, plan has basically said nothing. Yeah, <laughs> so we have no never, idea I mean, what what it's what a big deal for is on patents. businesses of any size. I would be amazed if the Trump organization, at some level, you know, they use technology to run hotels and whatnot. So they they must have dealt with patent trolls at some level. Yeah, I mean, there have been a bunch of patent trolls that have targeted hotels even. I mean, there uh, there's um, there are a few that I know that, like, hotels were a big target. So I'm sure they've been a target. You would hope that maybe that would inspire him to support. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, well, we'll Act see what that does in the new Congress. I haven't seen uh, yeah. the, the Innovation Act or whatever the current one hasn't been. I guess the Venue Act was going to maybe put East Texas out of the patent yeah. lawsuit business. We'll see yeah. how that does. The, I know that they have already reintroduced the Email Privacy Act, which would reform right. ECPA, the Electronic Communications Privacy Act. That's privacy in quotes because that's the bill right. that says if you have email that's been stored online for more than 180 days, law enforcement, strictly speaking, doesn't need a warrant. They can just ask. Fortunately, right. all the major webmail providers do insist on a warrant. So, like, passing that should be obvious, but Congress has <laughs> failed to do that, should, like, three years in a row. There's been a decade where that, that should have been obvious. Yeah. And uh, it is introduced every every new Congress, and it never seems to get anywhere. And and honestly, the, the issue there, believe it or not, is is really the SEC yes, and the, the, SEC was and the IRS. It. Because they, you know, the SEC and the IRS can't issue warrants, and so they actually rely on the fact that they don't need warrants to get such information to to, to get that information. And they've been um, particularly aggressive in opposing the Email uh, Privacy Act. And so, of course, of my understanding is Trump doesn't like the SEC or the IRS, so maybe the their maybe opposition is <laughs> yeah is uh, less a bug than a feature. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so who knows? I mean, in the policy space, I mean, I think that's the, sort of the one big thing where it's just like, yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, something, something. As as a few people have said, you know, at at TechTurt, we will be very busy. <laughs> yeah. Same. Covering covering all the different policy angles, but yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff was was definitely talked about and. Um, you know, it it is it is an interesting event. You know, because certainly a lot of politicians do come, and uh, and and there are a lot of staffers there. I know I ended up running into a whole bunch of congressional staffers and and talking to them about a variety of different. So policy. That's weird. I ran into hardly anybody from D.C. Like there there were people <laughs> I I've seen at every CES for 19 years in a row before that I did not spot in Vegas at all. Interesting, interesting. I, I definitely I ran into a lot, but we we apparently traveled in different circles this yeah. time because I did not run into yeah, you. Yeah, I never I saw was you. Looking for you, uh, you know, one hundred eighty thousand people. <laughs> These things will happen. It is pretty easy to miss one another, but um, yeah, yeah. But definitely, definitely, uh, you know, I thought it was a pretty good event uh, as a whole, and you know, as always, sort of the way to kick off the year in terms of thinking about everything related to tech whether it's you know new new gadgets new services and 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 the policy questions yeah there was a lot of chatter a few years ago about oh ces is old you know companies will just do their own events like apple and samsung right uh, why bother and you know look i I've, if i didn't have to go to this show if i didn't have to tear myself away from my family in this case not even 48 hours after new year's day Right. My life would improve on a lot of different levels, but there's a lot to be said for getting almost everyone in in the same aircraft hangar sized room and showing what they what they think is interesting, getting people together, making connections. I would just say, can we please hold CS in early February and not ruin my holidays for the 21st year in a row? But they won't because yeah. you can go to the CS website. My nomination for one of the saddest pages on the internet is the page listing the dates of CES for like the next ten years. Yeah, yeah. I think they said yeah they had locked in like some crazy amount. Someone had said they had locked in the next twenty years already. Probably, yeah. And yeah. it's I, I just wish CTA would use that leverage to maybe get better Wi-Fi in the convention center and <laughs> and perhaps get the stupid monorail to connect to the sands already because 
Yeah. Well, I think I think the hotels have have done everything they they possibly can, and the taxi cabs have done as much as they can to try and limit. I did not the use monorail. a taxi cab once this year. I uh, mostly I they they had some pre-sale on monorail tickets, so that worked reasonably well. After a long yeah. way to board it, uh, did a lot of walking, uh, yep. and uh, used Lyft a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, um, I I tried the monorail last year, and the lines were just so crazy long that I had bought like a you know a pass, a multi day yeah. pass, and then I basically used it like once or twice. So this year I didn't, but I still ended up. I rode it once, um, and just you know had a. It's it's a total cattle call process to to get into the actual monorail. And yeah, then, there's the uh, long lines, and they they sort of make you queue up before the turnstile, and then they'll let X number of people right. down on the platform. But I figure, yeah. I you know, would you like to wait on a bus that's calling in traffic the same amount of time? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I I actually do a lot of I do a lot of walking. I mean, there are some people who like, especially like all the way from from the convention center back to the strip. Um, I I don't mind that walk so much. It's it is long. Oh, like I mind the have, fact that you have the time. like convention center drive, the the sidewalks are maybe four feet wide. Yeah, and it's basically set up to get pedestrians killed. <laughs> you really yeah, oh yeah, welcome. no no you 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 have to be careful. It is not designed for pedestrians. Yeah, but you can do it. And yeah, and no, it is I, I figured risky I'd, and a little scary. <laughs> years ago, the fastest way to get like there are a lot of evening events at the Venetian. That yeah. is about one and a quarter miles from the convention center, and it is always faster to walk it. No contest. Yeah, 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 yeah. From 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 the convention center to the sands of the Venetian, it's yeah. I've done that walk many many times. It's not a fun walk, and no. it's sort of well, desolate. It, it's more fun than going from the convention center to the sands, which is more like a mile and three quarters, I guess. Yeah, but that can also be faster to walk than to take the yeah. bus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, you know, Uber and and Lyft, um, which you know, in in Vegas they they only allowed them a little over a year ago for the first yeah, time. Yeah, last year was their debut, and um, it, they, it's a little annoying because they have very specific pick off, pick up, and drop off points. They can't just find you. Um, yeah, and so like I had an issue where like my hotel did not have a, a pick up drop off point for for either service, so I basically had to walk. Uh, you know, a little distance to find it, but the nearest hotel that did, it was like underground where there was no cell service. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, so I would have to book like up and then like do this mad dash through the hotel, <laughs> uh, which is, of course is confusing, designed on purpose to be confusing. Yeah. To get to like the secret hidden underground valet location. That's where it was where, in Mandalay Bay big, the one time. Yeah. I did notice the airport itself, it was easier to get to the, the designated ride sharing area. Yeah. Last year, like, first of all, it was on floor 2M, which, like... Yes. Can you not grasp the concept of having floor numbers be, uh, like, actual whole numbers? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I went to, like, 2, like, where where's section M of this? Uh, and then finally found it this year. There, there's obvious signage, like, the buttons yeah, on the was, elevator. You can't miss it. Yep. Yeah, there were clear signs, like, ride sharing 2M yeah. and, like, push this button, go here. I did the same thing. Um, and that, that worked out. It worked out great. And they actually said there was a report that said that... Um, there were more uh, because, you know, like the cabbies were, were all pissed off about Uber and Lyft being available. And yet there was a report that said that there were more cab rides taken than at any other CES. Um, even I with don't know why Uber you would. I mean, that, that yeah, I'm I, sorry. I if you know. have a three dollar surcharge to pay with a credit card in the year of our Lord <laughs> yeah. 2016, you are not getting my business. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't get it either. I, I and you know I mostly rode Uber or Lyft the whole the whole week, and then um, there was one time where I was with some other people, and they just had the cab, and I I went with them, and it was like three times the cost or something. Yeah, like, yeah, and, and also just like. In my experience too, like the Uber and Lyft drivers are so much nicer. Yes, <laughs> they're, they're talkative and friendly, and I had I had really great conversations. I, I had one where a guy had was really strong opinions about you the First Amendment, yeah, there tech was a, policy, you had a tech policy and debate. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, this is this is really interesting. I had two other two other drivers who. Um, we're like trying to get into journalism, so they were asking oh, me all God, these questions. Why would you do that? <laughs> like, come on! <laughs> yeah, I know. Did you tell them it's not too late to find a more rewarding profession? Like, I think that they may have already done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, it was it was definitely you know it's definitely an interesting experience, and, and it's always fun to go. And you're right. I mean, it's it is there is something to be said for having all those people all there at the at the same time. Um, and so you know, I certainly had lots of interesting meetings, and sounds like you did too. Yeah, yeah. I always come back. I, I now have the stack of business cards on my desk that yeah. is, I'm going to say it is literally over an inch thick. Oh, gosh. Uh, and, and maybe these people I will want to, you know, maybe they'll, they can have me on a panel or they'll be a good source for a story or, or, or yeah. they'll annoy me with random PR pitches, but <laughs> that's the way it goes. There's that, there's that too. Yeah. I have my, my great, uh, uh, PR person cull every year about this time where I, I, the ones who are a little too aggressive may may get automatically shunted into the trash can. <laughs> yeah, it, well, you know I, I feel bad for the PR agencies where their client says you you've got to get us some coverage during CES and it's it's too yeah. late to tell the client are you kidding you're how, you're holding your event on Wednesday night with the day the, the show opens like right you're not going to get any attention then yeah because yeah there, there's some real thirstiness. <laughs> Where... <laughs> yeah 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 it's, it's tough but but anyways it's, it's still fun and uh um yeah lots of stuff to discuss so uh, you know thanks thanks for for doing this again i know you're you're exhausted from from yeah, well you know uh, I've, I've had two naps today but probably also because i'm <laughs> of course i'm coming down with a call from, from ces like everyone does yeah yeah it's it's sort of part of the uh part of the experience i think uh but you know, all in all, uh, still still pretty good CES. And uh, uh, but but you know, thanks thanks again for joining us. Um, uh, I certainly enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure everyone who's listening enjoyed Same. the conversation as well. And uh, we'll, we can pre-schedule. We'll have you back again next year because I assume that you'll be there for your 21st straight. Assuming CES. I am upright and breathing, yes, that seems a very very safe bet. <laughs> cool. And uh, thanks also to everyone who's listening. And uh, we'll be back again next week with uh, with another podcast. So, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you.